The guys on the board don't hear that because of a setting that's messed up somewhere from a while back. I hadn't been able to figure it out, so normally you would hear that, and at some point in the future we'll get it where you can hear it again. Uh, Roger Sales here with you starting out our week on the Monday edition of the Radio Ranch at the People's Patriot Network, our little venue. And uh, it is that Monday, Monday day, and it kind of feels weird to me. I think the date stamp today is March 29th of 21, 1-3-29-21, and I got, a, I got a mother with a 93rd birthday tomorrow. So uh, God bless her, and uh, she's still pretty much got most of her faculties except her eyesight, and uh, so this time of year is always real special to me, and that uh, triggers that date today, and so it's a weird kind of feeling out there i don't know that i don't know i can put my my finger on it and i don't know that it's not me either we got a james got one of his buddies new guy on here steven is uh, sitting back there but i was telling the guys right before we got started i have uh i had to i had to actually i kind of forced myself to in different you know, things happen in your life, and you go, well, I'm just not going to put up with that, you know, and you draw the line. It was kind of one of those, in a sense, and I had to stop smoking my pipe, which I've smoked off and on most of my life. Uh, well, uh, one section in there for five, seven years where I quit, and uh, but I've been smoking it again for about the last 10, and uh, it's gotten to the point where Ecuador, where I live, is just not a very pipe-smoking, conducive country. And the reason for that is because they don't grow tobacco here domestically for any intents and purposes. Maybe a little patch down towards the coast or something. But they try and chop it up and make people can roll their own cigarettes because cigarettes are expensive. But uh, what I was having done was people were coming down to Ecuador and bringing me. I'd buy, you know, two, three, four pounds at a time from my provider up in the u.s and people bring it to me but covid's got everything so screwed up where there's nobody traveling anymore and uh per se and all the prices are going up and i just got to the point where when i didn't have what i get from the u.s i'm sorry to start the show off of this but it kind of tenders into i guess my attitude today when i couldn't get it brought down and brought in bulk from the U.S., I got to go down to the one store in the country I know that's got pipe tobacco and go like when you go into the CVS or Walgreens or something and you're going to check out and you see that Captain Black or one of those commercial type uh, pipe tobaccos there at the counter and they're like, what, five bucks, six bucks a, a, an ounce, that's an ounce. Hell, it's $22 an ounce here. And I just, uh, at some point, I just said, you know, I'm not going to do it. And uh, so I've kind of forced myself on the cold, cold wagon, you know, no gum, no patches, no nothing, and on willpower. And so I'm going to see what this is really like. So if uh, I don't know if that's got my options jaded a little bit today, it's not too terribly bad, but I sure do miss it. You know, it's not like cigarettes. 
uh, cigarettes to me are horrible and taste bad and they smell bad and all that. And pipes different, and uh, but doesn't have all the chemicals and stuff in the, I guess, in the paper and the tobacco and whatnot. So anyway, I'm dealing with that today. There's Chris joining with us, and there's some uh, some pretty significant things happening out there. But if if I get snappy or something like that, or I think it's adjusting my, you know, affecting my mood a little bit. Hey, Chris, how you doing this morning? Good morning. So far, so good. Sorry about the background noise there. That's all right. Hoping that you don't get snappy today. All right. Well, me too. Don't like to get that way, you know. Um, but um, so anyway, that's kind of the situation with me. Otherwise, it's a fairly insignificant weekend. Not anything uh, ultra substantial happened. I guess they've freed the uh, Evergreen. Uh, that ship is what I'm hearing that they got it partially or maybe even completely unstuck in the Suez Canal so I guess that's going to be good good we've got a we've got a new guy with us today Stephen Stephen do you do you can you and I have a short conversation here for the audience's sake first of all I wanted to welcome Stephen's a friend of James's lives up in the Chicago area I just wanted to ask you how I, you two met on some sort of a forum or a board somewhere. Have you known each other a while, or what? Uh, what's the circumstances, if you don't mind, if we ask? We actually met at a Secure Party Credit seminar okay. in Atlanta. Oh, okay. So you popped down to Atlanta and met down there. All right. Well, I'm yeah. not sure where you are or how much uh, James has got you up to speed on our approach and the way we handle this sort of thing, but we're glad to have you along. If you've got questions, this is the forum to ask them in because when we do it this way, everybody learns. Okay, and that's what we're trying to accomplish here. So uh, if you've got any questions, I don't know how much he's exposed uh, what we do to you. Uh, but um, uh, we think, and others out there in the community think, it's about the quickest and easiest and surest way to go at these bastards and figuratively at least slit their throats. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to. Uh, change my political status and, and, and move the right way uh, in commerce. All right. Well, it's a, uh, once you change your political status, uh, you know, your commercial activities are up to you. Doesn't mean you can't contract with them. Okay. But you'll have your base political status straight. And, of course, what they've done is use the black man to enslave everybody. And uh, so if we can help you do that, I think we've gotten it down. I've been doing this many years. Okay, almost 30 years and gotten it down to where it's pretty simple to explain and get people to uh, at least see on the recipient's end, have a good idea and some sort of a grasp of what's going on. But it takes a while with most because of the prep work that our enemies have done in double tying your mind with knots on opposite definition words. And so, therefore, when people get presented with this, it just takes a little time. And, and, and I, I don't, it, it varies with individual to individual, I guess, on how susceptible you were to the programming, how good it took, uh, you know, how, how bad you want to shake yourself of it. Maybe there's some variables in there. But anyway, so as we go forward, I don't want to bludgeon you, but I just wanted to make the standing offer that, you know, it's for new folks like you, Stephen, that we're here. Okay. 
I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So if you've got uh, questions, just uh, shout along the way. Do you have any right up front? I mean, I can ask you that right now, I guess. Anything that you're not clear on at this stage? Uh, I think I'm pretty much up to date with everything as far as the trickery with the words and how they got us contracting. Um, and we don't know like that we're in contracts. And- well, uh, yeah, that's true. Okay. But th- this, and this is important. This is something the community misses and I totally understand it. Uh, you know, why they do the contract is a silent contract and, the silent contract is on you from birth when they assigned you a political status because of where you were born, all persons born, the first three words of the 14th Amendment. That's what brings in the feudal system. Now, at that point, it's a silent contract. And the other things that you're doing when they ask you those questions throughout your life, are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? Those aren't getting you into the contract. Those are getting your consent to the fraudulent contract that they pulled off at birth. Now, that's, that's a very important differentiation to understand. But the contract is from the fraud at birth, and it's one of those... and. Called a silent contract. Listen, you can go over to the search engine, any one you want to use, and put silent contracts in a search engine and look at all the results that pop up. Okay? And this one is a silent contract that came specifically from the feudal system and it ran generationally. And really, when you think about it and understand it a bit, It was the backbone of the feudal system because it allowed the feudal system to perpetuate itself. Do you know too much about the feudal system, Stephen? Uh, Just a little. I'm a little familiar with it. Okay. uh, With the admiralty. uh, No, no, no. No admiralty. No, no. No admiralty in the feudal system. Get this admiralty stuff out of there. It doesn't apply. Okay. Okay. What you're thinking of is a uniform commercial code. It used to be called the law merchant back then, all right? Uh-huh. But it's not admiralty, all right? Okay. Feudal system is totally different. Yeah, well, I can prove it to you. Admiralty, you know, with law, you've got a thing called a remedy, okay? And the only remedy in admiralty law is called prize, P-R-I-Z-E which means that I got uh, bigger guns than you. I kicked your ass and I'm going to take your stuff. That's prize. Okay. Well, here we're using remedies called self-help remedies, lean, levy, garnishment, and seizure. Okay. And those don't come from Admiralty. They come from the law merchant. All right. So anyway, this, this contract back to that contract, there's a lot of deep areas. You can really deep dive here. All right, and learn a whole bunch of stuff you've probably never been exposed to. But let's just cover the surface here and say that you may want to put a little time into reading about the feudal system, uh, just for one thing, because it's interesting. And um, it is the system we're living in, and this element of it that you could volunteer into servitude. See, they had two types of serfs, Stephen, in in those days and in that system. You had a involuntary serf that, let's say, the uh, the lord of the manor bought from 
somebody else, you know, at the market because they had slave markets, right? And you were in that condition, and any children you had were born into that same condition, and it was involuntary, which means you were forced into it, and you couldn't get out of it. There was only one way that you could get out of an involuntary servitude arrangement in the feudal system. This has got a thousand years of legal precedent, by the way, okay? So we're not just pulling something out of our hats here. If you were a bastard, literally a bastard, you could get out of being an involuntary serf because there was always a suspicion that you were fathered by the lord of the manor. Okay? That was the only wow. way you could get out of it, or run away, I guess. You know, But the other one, and that's very akin to black slavery in the South. Okay, and white slavery in the South. They had a bunch of Irishmen down there. Same thing. All right. So the other way was involuntary, voluntary servitude. So you got the involuntary ones, and you got the voluntary ones, and those are the people that could volunteer in and out. And let's just say the economy was bad. The guy needed to feed his family. He went out to the big manor, said, "Listen, I need to, you know, I need to hire on with you," and they would go through a a, a, a contract, and it is a contract. Have you ever heard of the Oath of Fealty? No. Okay, well, you may want to look it up. Oath, O-A-T-H, just like of fealty, and it's spelled F-E-A-L-T-Y, fealty. And that was where a voluntary serf volunteered into the condition of servitude. And you can find one, should you ever want to see one, uh, in Monty python's movie the holy grail there's an oath of fealty in there or you can read about it on the internet and what would happen is you wanted to come work for the lord of the manor and you'd come there'd be a ceremony okay called the oath of fealty and the lord of the manor would be there a bunch of the other serfs from the manor would be there and they were witnesses it's a, it's a contract and you would kneel in front of him and you would put your hands on your head like you were praying in that shape and he would put his hands over yours and you would take an oath to swear to him your body as property and all of your worldly goods because you're now property you don't have any property it's all his Okay. Now, the trick there was the same trick with the involuntary servitude guys, and that is if you had children while you had been volunteered into the same condition, your children were born into the exact same condition you were in. They were property. They were the lord of the manor, but they were in voluntary servitude, and they could leave at any time they wanted. And that's what they've got us in is that one, Stephen. Okay, And so that's why this works is because underlying this little trickery and charade is this feudal system that they love, by the way, and that's they've kept it hidden thinking nobody had ever figured it out. Well, somebody did. Okay, And now we know exactly how that system works because we understand the system they're using.
That's why all the other patriots are so unsuccessful, is they don't understand the system they're fighting. They're fighting the feudal system. And they're trying to attack it with constitutional law. And it doesn't work very well, does it? No, I don't okay. think so. It's like, it's like the, the analogy is that we're playing basketball. You know, the feds uh, in, invited us to a basketball tournament, winner take all. And so we got our good guys out there. We're doing layups and free throws and sinking every three-pointer we show, throw up there, and all of a sudden the feds come out. See, Stephen? And they got on – well, they don't have on Nikes and, and little shoes. They got on these black uniforms, and they got all kinds of pads on, and their shoes have got this iron rail on the bottom of it, and they got a stick, and they're throwing this thing around in 100 miles an hour. So, Stephen, who do you think is going to win that game? Uh, they are. Okay. Well, that's exactly what's been happening because we didn't know the game. All right. And so that's what we're here for is to help you understand the game, explain some of it, some of the things we've learned, some of the other guys that are on here that contribute. That's why we have this format where everybody can uh, discuss and whatnot. Uh, we help each other. Our iron sharpens iron in some of these discussions. I think we got a pretty good, solid approach to this. I can tell you this in 11 years, I've never had one piece of blowback from the feds on it, nor have I ever had anybody turned down. By the way, our guy, uh, Stephen, it's one of the things I had on my crib notes for today. Uh, our friend in uh, Colorado, some of you will remember, is the one that they sent him back and said, oh, passports are only issued to u.s citizens all that stuff and he wrote him back a, le a letter that i kind of gave him some direction on it said like why are you having to resort to lying to me in state department letterhead and policy well he got his passport a card he was after a card um so in essence, uh, Stephen, this guy, the, this manner, this feudal system, and I encourage you to do a little bit of study on it um, on your own, is, is uh, uh, the Secretary of State in our example here. And one of the reasons that he has that responsibility, the final arbiter over all things concerning citizenship and that's what he has is because he also has the role of issuing passports and the, for him to issue a passport by the passport by its very nature has got to identify you as to who you are well identifying you as to who you are includes your political status you know like are you free or are you a slave <laughs> you i guess that might be important huh and so that's why he's been tapped with this job of hiding the slave system of the masses in the country but yet he is the arbiter of those that can get out of it and so uh, now that we've found out their little secret and who he is and what he does and what his functions are his uh, duties and responsibilities and for 11 years, we've had people submitting this, and there's never been one blowback from anybody, to my knowledge, that's ever submitted one. So that's a pretty good track record, okay, I think. So uh, anyway, that's just a little, little background for you, Stephen. Welcome aboard, man. And if you got questions, just 
jump in. Okay. Okay. Glad to be here. All right, man. And uh, okay. Um, and you'll pick up stuff and some of it. Well, you and James know each other, so if it if it goes over your head, you can get with him later, or you know whatever. If you got a question, say what is that? Maybe he can help you. If not, we're certainly glad to here. Um, what else has uh, folks got to bring up? I see there was a confrontation in Salem, Oregon, over the weekend between the Proud Boys and the Antifa. That idea. There was a bunch of ideas out there on a the lawn, all dressed in black, and. Uh, we had uh, the situation, which I thought was extremely sad, by the way, in D.C. of the um, the Pakistani guy. What, did he have four or five children? Did y'all see this story? I'm sure you did. Maybe correct me on some of the details. Four or five children. He's out trying to help uh, make ends meet and support the children. He's a real nice guy, friendly to everybody, always got a smile on his face. And 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 two thugs try and hijack teenage girls. Two, I think one at 13 and 14 or something, 12 and 13. Say, absolutely, juvenile teenage girls try and hijack his car, and he gets killed. I suppose you've seen the video on that. And now the mayor of D.C. is trying to cover up and saying it was his fault for not putting precautions in. I guess now you're supposed to put precautions in your car from being hijacked from 12- and 13-year-old girls, huh? Say, uh, Roger. Uh, Chris, yeah. I'm not sure. It could be that James and Stephen might know this. Uh, it's my intel tells me that the mayor of D.C., I think her name is Muriel or Miriam Bowser, is the sister of Stacey Abrams, the uh, political activist down in Georgia that had quite a lot to do with the election theft down there with uh, Rafflesberger and some of those others. Well, I don't, Chris, I don't know that the one in D.C. is her sister, but she's got a sister who's a federal district judge in Georgia. Remember uh, when the case came up and her ended up on her sister's docket and then she was ruled it and then she recused herself back during the election stuff? Yeah, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. One other little point I thought we should address since you and uh, Stephen were talking about the, he was pretty savvy on the meanings of words and word trickery. There's a uh, maxim of law that I've heard. I don't remember who said it. You might. That when words learn lose their meaning, men lose their heads. Uh, I think it was Confucius, and I think he said, "When words lose their meaning, men lose their liberty." That could be correct. And uh, well, it's correct. I think on both that it was because it was in my book, you know, and uh, also because I think Confucius was correct too. Um, and. I don't know. Let's see what else happened. This was kind of good. Friday night, um, um, relatively new student, Paul and Amanda down there in Florida, North Florida, had a, a meeting Friday night. Well, I think there's about 15 people there that came and sat, and then they did what John took John's format and um, printed out, copied out copies of the recent documents handed them out and then played the deanna spingola interview uh steven have you heard that deanna spingola interview yet that i did that she's a chicago gal uh no okay well we need to get that to you i'll uh I'll, I'll get james to get it to you uh probably the best presentation of this material i've ever done in all these years really 
And I think that's because I'm understanding it more than I ever have. And when you understand it, it allows you to be able to explain it easier. And I think that's where we are. So all we got to do is get the right people that have ears to hear and eyes to see and are looking for answers. And uh, I think we got answers for folks, you know. Um, I don't expect Speak the, the answers there, Roger. Yes, sir. Chris, got, you got answers for I got two, two little things for you. One little news blurb. Rick Adams, the radio, the radio Avenger. I remember him from years ago. He apparently died uh, either yesterday or the day before. Oh. Now, I had heard him on his show live broadcasting on RBN, Republic mm-hmm. Broadcast Network, on Saturday. And he sounded just fine. So it's not without at least a potentiality that maybe somebody helped him go to the other side. Well, I mean, he wasn't a spring spring chicken. Chris. No, no, he was 80-something, I think. You're exactly right. One other thing uh, while we're on this uh, examination and analysis, uh, I had some deep considerations this weekend, and it occurs to me that the January 6th, uh, exercise was particularly a um, crisis event managed production. It was a false flag, a Reichstag moment where Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol Police Chief and the Mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, if she is or not related to Stacey Abrams, all conspired to commit an insurrection and a coup d'etat, a siege, where they took over the Capitol. And they did so to obstruct justice, to deny due process, to quash the exposure of the theft of the election and some of the opposition by some of the witnesses coming out to object to this acceptance of the qualified electors' uh, so-called selections. Not to mention, at the same time, they framed the Trump and MAGA people and the people that love liberty and freedom that had come to D.C. to protest peacefully and sucked them into their trap to frame the blame on the MAGA people, the Proud Boys, the everybody they could. And it was carried out by, uh, John, I can't remember which one of the Sullivan brothers, and uh, the Antifa groups and some of the other activists, along with some of the military COINTELPRO deep state operative assets that infiltrated, they were the ones that got out with the uh, laptop computers that were particularly sought by them, in my estimation, and tactically removed. And, of course, they're framing all the people that attended for merely attending and being sucked in, so it had a multi-pronged attack side effects and outcomes that they had carefully devious planned and of course chucky schumer and nancy pelosi and some of the others there were deeply involved in carrying that tactical operation out well i guess nancy pelosi's in charge of dc basically as speaker of the house she is total control over dc uh, I don't think they were trying to take over D.C. I think they were just trying to hang sheep dip all the Trump supporters so they could call them terrorists and white supremacists for you afterwards. I don't know. You can only t- see that it's been uh, fenced in for quite a long time, and apparently they, have, well, no, 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 no. they, they always they, have snipers on the roof. Well, I mean, they took over politically, which they did with the election. J- J- January 6th was just a way to sheep dip everybody. 
to me and uh, uh, continue to, what are they doing? They're continually insulating themselves with lies, so they've got something to fall back on. It's just like using anti-Semite by the Jews. Oh, the Holocaust. Ah, we always got a little trump card we can pull off, and when you're coming at us with something, we can throw it out there and shut you up most of the time with it. And th- that's what this opposition. was to me, you know. Uh, because they had the whole thing just totally. I mean, look, well, it's, we, at the time we talked about it. What are they? What was the, What was the a May Dan incident? It was a May Dan incident. The only thing they didn't have was somebody on the roof that was down there shooting the it, Trump supporters or Antifa and blaming it on the Trump people. That's the only thing they didn't have. Well, but otherwise, it was a total. It's a total yeah, made end thing, man. By the way, you see him going straight back over to the trough of the Ukraine. I mean, this bunch is already unloading military stuff on Ukraine, and they're already trying to incite them to go over there and fight in Crimea, which is where they had the problems before. The Crimeans have always been traditionally Russian. They had a vote on it the same way the Austrians had a vote on Hitler, where the 98% of them voted Hitler in as the chancellor. 98% of them voted Putin and Russia in as their government. And they're still going to go back there and start trying to poke Russia. What's the deal with Russia? Russia, Russia, Russia. What's the penis erectus for Russia? The fact that it's the largest, most resource-rich country in the world, and they don't have their thieving-ass fingers all over it. That's what the problem is right there. And their absolute historical penis erectus for the Russians because they're the ones that thwarted their first attempt at a new world order with Napoleon. And that's what you'll read. James, remember I mentioned to you The Empire of the City, that book? That's the kind of information that comes out of that book. That's the reason they've got such a penis erectus for the Russians is because they stopped their first chance at a new world order. And now they've got all of these resources that dwarf the rest of the world's countries, and these bastards are shut out. They can't go in there and steal them like they were when they had control. So it's just all this geopolitical stuff and these greedy bastards that absolutely know no bounds until they achieve this messianic age that they're shooting for where they they're the big they're the they they're the only ones with souls the big chosen people and they're the gods and there's a couple hundred of you for each one of them and they own all the property in the world that's they're not going to be satisfied until they achieve that unless something comes in and sidetracks them and stops them from achieving it Is, is that pretty accurate? Does it seem like, folks? Absolutely. That sure as hell the way I see it. <sighs> Happy Monday. On a good note, they did get the uh, ship down in the Suez freed no. up, apparently. Yeah, so they got it partially freed, I saw. And uh, um, it was very interesting. I watched a Cliff High uh, video over the weekend on how that happened 
and he was trying to deflect the blame and cushion the blows a little bit against the, I guess there was a female, the first female captain of ships through the Suez was the one that was driving this thing when it went aground. Have you heard that? You know, I haven't really. From Egypt, in fact. Correct. Now, there's another sidebar that I heard this weekend from a pretty good intel source that says that the Skynet, their satellite controls, may have hijacked the controls of the ship via the Boston brakes, uh, kind of like the 911 or the uh, Michael Hastings deal, hijacked and took control, and they ran it aground by overriding the control system from far and put the blame on the female from Egypt. Uh, Cliff High was going into another angle on it. It's pretty interesting. Um, and I'm sure they probably do have controls from you know, I mean, they can fly a plane all over the world on remote. I guess they can do the same thing with those ships. But I guess this woman, the first female uh, captain, Egyptian, um, was driving it. And what Cliff was saying is there was a, you know how we got some pilots who are associated with Daryl and those folks. But you know how lift happens with a plane, right? You know, we got one side of the plane on the top is curved and the one on the bottom is flat. And when the air that hits the front of the wing it takes longer to get across the top because it's curved and it has to meet the one at the back. And that's where lift comes from. Right. Right. You with me? And so the same principle here on the ship, you got the ship in the water and the lift principle still apply, but the ship is over closer to one edge of the canal and there's more, open water on the other side and so as the water hits the bow of the ship the part that gets shoved over in the now narrow spot between the ship and the side of the canal has got to move faster than the other side and it steered that thing into the side of the corral into the side of the canal almost in a lift type situation now, I don't know if that's right or not, but it sure made a lot of sense to me, and I thought it was particularly interesting. Did you follow that, Chris? I, don't know. I did, as a matter of fact. There are a myriad of different uh, counteroperative circumstances in the, the movement of water in a body, and uh, that's kind of why gold gets deposited where it does for the eddies yeah. to go up and things yeah. like that. So you're right on point, I think, in that respect. But I think the taking control of the controls from afar is probably the more accurate. Well, we don't know, who knows if we'll ever get the truth like everything else. But anyway, that happened. It may be a reason they've seemingly have got. I don't think the thing may be totally free yet, but they've got made some real big strides into getting it free. Everybody was honking their horns on their tugboats, it said. So um, hopefully that's the case. It sure has uh, thrown a hitch in the giddy up, hasn't it? I mean, we don't know about all the repercussions that are going to happen from that thing. Well, the other aspects that flow around that is apparently the ship's name was something evergreen, and that had to do with Hillary Clinton's special operations of global sex trafficking. And, of course, we can't overlook Evergreen Air, which was former uh, Air America. So there, And there's another uh, evergreen that just took place somewhere on the planet uh, maybe in the middle uh, Middle East, I think, but I don't remember. I mean, there's so much stuff going all over. The world is a fire. It's Ball a, of confusion. 
It's pretty unbelievable. And we were talking about that ball of confusion the other day when that the temptations ball of confusion. Um, yeah, man, it's a weird deal. That's why I came on here Monday. I'm going, wow. I just, I don't know where to start. You know, <laughs> we always go back to what are they really, we're kind of a one trick pony here. Uh, and Steven, and maybe there's some new folks from, uh, from Amanda's uh, little session she had Friday night. Um, but our pony, our one-trick pony is your freedom. Okay, That's the reason I'm here. Now, we can't just sit here and go over it all the bam, 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 every day, all day, two hours a day for 11 years. Can't do that. But we can go over and look at these things that are happening in the news and in different places in the world and draw them back and maybe illustrate the principles that we teach about by using current events. Um, best thing I can tell you is uh, for some reason you're chosen, if you will, that you found this information or it found you. And um, you're just one of the few people that have a uh, – Maybe a little bit of an option to get yourself out of this thing. And the reason I say that, Chris, it hit me. I guess I've realized it for a while, but it really hit me over the weekend. I thought about it. One of the things I'm pretty sure that they're doing with this vaccine, first of all, when they do a major false flag, they don't ever just accomplish one objective. Okay. They're in there. They're accomplishing. I mean, look at 9-11. Any of the major stuff they do, they accomplish numerous individual objectives within the overall objective. Okay. And with this one, this vaccine, I think the COVID thing was meant to start this going for the golden ring. I think it was really targeted at being able to help get Trump out of office by setting up the mail-in ballot scam, how they knew that they could throw the election. And now, as Trump's out of the way, they've been able to take over. They're getting back on track to try and get to their financial reset, which is the big deal here for all of this. And to me, but I think one of the things and one of the what's the word I want one of the um accelerators on this vaccine in other words oh you got to do the vaccine you got to get the vaccine all that now the you know Rutgers University comes out and said we won't let any students in uh if you don't get the vaccine well hey you know what I didn't really want a Rutgers education anyway all right um but now they're doing all that and we're seeing that little part of the agenda get encroached i think one of the the things that they're really concerned with here chris is is perfecting the collateral and i think that's what this vaccine and i think that's the push behind it and that comes maybe maybe peripherally i don't know we'll never know from some of our work and the other people's work out there in the uh, in the arena of the Patriot arena that are helping people file this document and change their status. Okay. That, and again, just for the background on this, I'd never thought about it until I watched a Catherine Austin Fitz interview. 
I don't know, a couple of months ago, and she was talking about the black slaves in the South that at the time would get fed up with it, probably like James. James had either killed them or he'd have run off, one of the two, he tells me, and I'm pretty sure that's correct. But um, it, they go off out west and get away. We didn't have NCIC and, and, and all the pictures and all the news stuff and all the communications, and they could get out there and change their lives and assume new personalities and start and live new lives, which many of them did, and some of them were very admirable. I saw something about a black one of the slaves that had escaped and ended up being a big sheriff out west somewhere, you know. Um, so, but that was when the collateral was unperfected, it could still flee. And you see, the analogy is we hadn't known it too much until recently, but we can do the same thing. We can file that statement with that individual and we can basically flee and get out of their little trap. And so once you get the vaccine, it goes in and literally changes your DNA. And I believe one of the specific changes it does is it folds a pr the proteins. Proteins are usually made and lay out flat, and this thing folds them or something when it goes through the MNRA change. Anyway, there's some changes in your physiology, which now means you're covered by their patents. They perfected the collateral with the vaccine. And if, if you want to take the vaccine, if you're chomping at the bit, I doubt that any of our folks are. But if you want to take the vaccine, I'm not sure if you could file a statement or an affidavit after you take the vaccine and still get the same effect of getting out of it. Because now they've got you through a patent. You know, Roger, that uh, may be tantamount to a branding of their property. Yeah, perfecting and, uh, the collateral. But absolutely. See, it's the, you're the collateral because they've already got an entire monetary system built on your future labor. You're already in the condition, and you've agreed to it most of the time. If you get the vaccine, now they've perfected the collateral i mean it's just what it is may i quote edwin bernays their consent is our victory yeah that well i don't i don't know that he said it but it came off of the the quiet weapons for silent wars it may have been where they got it but yeah their their consent well their the consent they're talking about there is your consent in answering those two questions yes Okay, I mean, listen. It, it the everything hinges on you answering those questions. Yes, here, here. All it's not us, a all our entire lives, and what we've done is we then have justified their fraud and given them the power. All this power they've got, we gave it to them unknowingly be it uh it's not a mistake that the mode rna aka moderna is named that in particular because it is a genetic altering experiment they've never done a vaccine or anything else before this is their first project um yeah 
it's it's just a big the 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 vaccine is the kill shot and no matter what all the other implications are okay i think that one of the ones and the one's the main one that i guess would interest us here is that i believe if you get the vaccine you might as well not even bother buying the postage stamp to file that affidavit because i doubt that it would do any good now the question is How much of this stuff is getting to the Secretary of State? How many people like Anna Von Reitz that's incorporated the remedy into what she's doing or some of these other people that we don't even know if we know all of them that are doing it? Well, somebody was showing me something the other day. James sent me something, a nice little um, very professional looking with a seal on it this document on this guy's status and uh what'd you tell me you only paid 1950 dollars for it james something like that uh, but his like uh between uh 500 and 15 okay. just that's the uh the affidavit itself is 500 but the whole course was like 1500 i see so you know and there's no telling how many people out there they're doing that. And um, so the point is we have no idea knowing how many of these disclaimers, declarations, affidavits have reached the Secretary of State and how freaked out they are about it. Just don't know. But I do know one thing there – this is their deepest, darkest secret, and I don't believe they ever expected anybody to ever figure it out. Especially you know, not Roger. us, you know, us dumb goyim. Yeah, Chris. Oh, absolutely. Well, I was going to say to James's point about paying for some documents. Well, I paid for some, too. It wasn't quite as much as James. But there's some pretty savvy promoters and uh, provocateurs and undercover government agents out there deep embeds in the patriot movement and i have a couple of documents that i got that are pretty sophisticated looking documents supposedly from the un and uh, have some information but they kept wanting to put their information on it instead of my information and i am scared to death of them because i'm not convinced they weren't com uh, created by somebody in the FBI or some other agency to uh, dupe the poor dumb goy out here and take advantage of us. So I won't use those, but I do have mine one from the Secretary of State of the United States, of course, with some, a few stars, much like uh, our friend Brent has. He's got five on his, and I've only got three on mine. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, again, I'll remind you, it doesn't matter what the document is. It's an ex parte document. What matters is what is on file with the secretary in his possession. That goes all the way back to 1835, and constantly our people always take the head fake, don't they? I mean, aren't they right? Don't our people always take the head fake? Oh, I got this. They always look at the document. They never go back to the concepts and understand where the meat is and where the rubber meets the road. I, you you got to read the preface. They always take the head fake, man. I think our guy, our our enemies are right about us in many respects. Okay. I believe they're you can't correct. The results. The the herd. The people are a damn herd. Is there any? Do you see them all out there wearing masks? You see them lined up to get this damn vaccine? Does that validate my statement? And there's the people are just a big herd. 
the ignorant masses of asses, the sheeple people. <laughs> and I think that they do need somebody in the big sense to look over them. So do you think it ought to be Jaime, the Zionist Jew, or maybe adhering to Jesus Christ and some kind of moral and ethical guidelines? I was thinking last night when I was watching something about uh, a book I found in a used bookstore. Everything's digital now. I've been that way for a few years. I'm not sure how well old bookstores and whatever come into play anymore like they used to. But uh, you can find some stuff, uh, used to could, that was uh, quite illuminating. And one of them I found in, where in the heck did I find that thing? I'm not sure if it was in Florida or not. But I found this book that was written by an attorney in St. Louis back in the 40s and the whole book was written about how the previous two fdr's jew deal jew deal new deal raw deal whatever you want to call it but previous to that government effort that there was a really adequate um what do they call it a, a net a social net for people on hard times or stuff like that. And it was done through private organizations, private charities. <laughs> wow. Excuse me. Let me cough this out. <coughs> and uh, things like the Salvation Army and stuff like that. And what Roosevelt did was come in and totally dismantle that and reattach all of those needy people to all these government programs. So before that, even though we didn't have an administrative state, the country on its own initiative and through the, oh, the things like morals and ethics that were still instilled in the culture to some extent back then, set up their own private safety net system. I, I doubt if any anybody ever really understood that before. And the transition where he takes an effective private catch folks when they're on, on the down and out system, totally dismantles it and restructures it to where you go the government to all, for all their programs. Because every time that you take something from them, there's a hook in it. That's just interesting. Um, what, uh, anybody else got anything to bring? Maybe there's some of Amanda's new folks. I, I feel like, uh, we're, I don't know, this day just kind of feels a little bit strange today and it may very well be me. Okay. So, uh, anybody got anything they wanted to discuss and bring to the table today? Oh, now come on. You expect me to, to do all the talking, don't you? Chris, did you go dancing this weekend? I guess Chris is going to tell us. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I went and seen uh, Chase Brown, and we're heading out to see a Babs and a oh, Celine Dion impersonator coming up this week. So we keep a social life in spite of the G lockdown for the most of the people. We're still out there doing our lives as best we can under deleterious circumstances. How, uh, how opened up is Vegas now? 
Well, uh, probably 35 to 50% increase. They're reporting record numbers of flights coming in and out and around the nation. The streets are full of cars. There are people out doing things. Although they're modifying the rules somewhat, it still has some conditions on it. And they may uh, let more people sit at the table, but they make them space them farther apart so they reduce the amount of income the store can make, irrespective of their pretextual uh, lessening of the lockdown it, it we haven't got to the vax mandatory to fly rules yet have we mm, some places in the world and maybe one or two here in america may have maybe one airline has made some moves that direction but uh um they can just cut their nose off to spite their face all they want eventually people will get fed up with it and they'll say screw you i ain't flying unless i absolutely have to well, I know that the, we got a guy down here uh, that flew down a couple of weeks ago from Florida, South Florida, and all he had to do was get tested. And uh, I forget all the story, but I, I don't believe Mike has taken the vaccination yet, and I don't think he would. Uh, but I know they're talking about it. Now, this is something, and this is one of those things here for Stephen, you know, especially with the new guys and new folks around. Sometimes we get into situations here. And you got this, well, I wonder if this will work, okay? I wonder what's going to happen here. I mean, we know in many instances what happens when people have got an affidavit on file, and others just never come up. You know, there's a lot of complications in people's lives and individual circumstances and stuff and that I've never had to address, and some, none of our other students, and until we take and press the envelope, one way or another, we really don't know. For instance, uh, James got a hold of me over the weekend. He said, can I, can I, and I've wondered about this myself, can an ex-con, somebody that's a convicted felon, can they file an affidavit? Well, why not? Okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think that that probably, uh, that that probably is. But we won't know, as I told him, until somebody does it. And they tell them no and give them a reason. But otherwise, I bet you they'll accept it, and I bet you will know then that they, that, that does work. And you might even find out that the crime they were convicted and did the time for wasn't even <laughs> allowable under their real status. How about that for a kick in the teeth? Okay. Well, in that case I was talking about, that was murder, so I think he stuck with that one. Yeah, no, that that's capital crime, and that is a common law crime, and it's one of those things you, thou shalt not kill. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's the way we learn from is by pressing the envelope. And um, the analogy that I wanted to use is somebody at some point is going to go up and apply for one of these vaccine passports and present them with an affidavit and say those don't apply to me. And let's see when somebody does that. Like I said, all they can say is no, right? Uh, we're going to find out if maybe we can't get a, a vaccine passport with an affidavit. Well, wait a minute, Roger. You're presuming that the people that are telling us that you have to have a vaccine passport at the WHO, the CDC, and these other private, private profits corporate entities have any authority to tell us anything. Well, no, they don't, but they can check with the legal people behind them 
to see if they would issue you a vaccine passport, even though you haven't taken a vaccine, if you submit an affidavit. Kind of like going to the gun store and uh, being a U.S. national and getting it without having to go through all that. Kind of like that, yes. Okay. By the way, you know, we were talking about all that bad weather in Alabama last week, and Daryl came on, told us he was all right. And then Friday afternoon after the show, they had one of those rascals hit Gadsden. Uh, I don't I don't know. I guess uh, I'm certain there was no damage up there, but it was real close to home, and it's that kind of year when we get those spring uh, squall lines rolling through. And, uh, boy, we had one at uh, last week and I don't remember what day it was if it was of the weekend or last week that was just I mean there'd be these 15 and 20 seconds just solid rolling thunder okay and uh, pretty heavy rain um, loss of electricity for a while that kind of stuff uh, kind of freaky but uh, hopefully everything's all right there in Gadsden I thought that was uh, Unusual after we'd had them on to talk about it on the show and the previous couple of days stuff, and then they have that that afternoon. Um, hopefully everybody's all right. Um, where else would we like to go here? Man, I don't have any of our good discussion guys on there. Well, we've talked about the ship. We've talked about Amanda's meeting. Um we know that every day these guys are encroaching on people's liberties and getting more heinous about it. Uh, we can definitely see feeding into the period of escalating violence. Did you see the thing where mm. the senators went down to the border with Tom Cruise? Oh, yeah. Ted Cruz and stuff. Yeah. Ted Cruz, not Tom Cruise. Ted Cruz. And that <laughs> that Biden chick that's in his face in front of the camera. The, oh, yeah, yeah, the, trying the to little, obstruct his ability to video. We, would you please respect these people? Respect. Give some respect. That's what she kept saying as she was moving around blocking the camera. I'm assuming you all have seen this. What about the uh, respect for all the people that were crowded into them damn conditions? What about the what respect about for them? For the, her disrespecting the uh, senator that was there trying to do his duty and I, see what was going on. I swear I just want to slap these people. I just want to pinch their heads off. I can't believe how damned ignorant they are, how programmed, how jaded, how propagandized they are when they're spouting this crap. They're Hippocrates, false posers behind the mask, pretending social, let's see what they call it, Social signaling as if they got virtue when they got none. Play actors. They're play actors, and it's unbelievable, and it's getting worse. And it all points to, from what I can see and know of these guys, after I've been studying them so many years, it's all leading up to this, this period of escalating violence. They're trying to get to the fourth stage of ultimate takeover. Um, did you hear the... Uh, the background on the case that the Supremes were looking at last week on that warrantless search, Chris? I don't remember that one, so fill me in a little bit. I'll give okay, my now I heard somebody going over it. I'm going to try and recall it the best of my ability. There was a domestic. I don't remember if it's husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay. 
there was a domestic and the female goes to the cops to get a restraining order against him because he might have been a little bit psychologically ungrounded and he's got weapons. Is that Hunter Biden you're talking about? No, Chris. This is the lead up to the case that the Supreme Court heard Friday where Biden as trying to get an amicus curie for them to rule in favor of this. The warrantless searches. Okay. So what happened was they came and I think arrested him, <laughs> took him to go get checked for his state, I guess. And the cops went into the house and found the weapons with a warrantless search. They didn't have a they didn't have a warrant to search it or specifics for the weapons. They went in and found them and took them. And I don't believe he's still to this day gotten back. But the problem was when he went through his psychological uh, examination, the guy said, "You're totally saying there's no reason that you can't get your hands on firearms." And he goes back, and the cops have taken them. And so that case is the one that is at the Supreme Court that Biden's filed a, a amicus curie brief to try and get him to okay, and it basically okays warrantless searches. Now, don't forget that's well, for citizens of the United States and residents. Related to that particular scenario, I thought it was rather important, and I'm going to tie this together for you. Jin Saki or Pasiki. Pasaki, whatever her name is, Raggedy the little demoness up there, Raggedy yeah, the Ann. talking head for Biden and Oboe, uh, she was up there this weekend uh, playing dumb and uh, talking cagey and trying to be artful in her deceit of the people and claiming that Biden, uh, not Biden, but uh, Snowden, Ed Snowden, your uh, a passport for Ed you got, um, that he uh, was... The Russians, they were taking uh, exception with the Russians, and their aiding and abetting Snowden was the implication. And uh, she danced all around it, but she never came right out and, sell, and said she it. She never answers any, she, any question. It's always no, a little no, no, circle she, back, circle, circle back. back to that. Yeah, 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 circle back. That's like a stickleback circle back in my estimation, going back to Tom Schramm. But uh, what they were dancing around, and this is insidious, brother. I can tell you from experience being mired in this muck that the Section 702 of the Patriot Act, the Killer Patriot Act, in my estimation, the USA Patriot Act, going back to 911 and uh, the towers and stuff, just a few weeks after that, they rushed it through into the pretextual guise of terrorism and those uh, evil Muslims or Arabs or whatever they call them which was a lie in the first place because they were agents of somebody else, the tribe. And if they put you on this terrorist watch list, then there's the pendant action for terrorism, and they can paint you with a broad brush and demonize you as being a threat to the national security. They can circumnavigate due process of law and substantial justice. They can meet in camera ex parte and rule against you without you having anything to say about it in their secret star chamber inquisitorial Sanhedrins. Well, just don't be one of the people they can name like that. 
You know, I mean, well, they can only attach those damn labels to a specific political status. Citizens of the United States and residents. Don't be one of those. Well, most people don't realize that being a citizen, well, it ain't from, from city citizen, that's it, a subject or a slave. Well, it ain't from lack of trying that they ain't don't know it, okay? Um, so it's uh, uh, unfortunate, and that's what they do, and that's how they use these word terms and associated, but they can't do that little trick of doing the word change where they can go after you unless you're in that status. It's just like I was saying in all the oil, last week in all the coin deals and all the IPOs, the initial coin offerings, ICOs that we saw, the only people on the entire face of the globe that could not participate in those are citizens of the United States and residents. Every other uh, uh, political status in any other country of the world could participate, but those guys right there. Doesn't that mean there's something negative, disparaging, dangerous about being one of those? Well, it means there's something real different about being one of them. Yeah. Good or bad, you make it attach either way, depending on your point of view. But there's something real different about them as compared to every other political status from every other organized country in the entire globe. There's something real different about them. So, uh, and the thing is, if you don't want to be one, you don't have to be one. It doesn't matter what color, what race, or what creed. If you're one of the citizen of the United States, you're both statuses. Whether you volunteered in it through a naturalization or whether you were born into it and they're hiding it, okay? Isn't that, that weird? Uh, Isn't that weird now with our American Samoans, Chris? Hold on just a second. The American sure. Samoans are non-citizen nationals. They're the only ones in the entire federal system who have this attribute. They are non-citizen nationals, and the reason they're non-citizen nationals is because they can't be birthright citizens. Okay? Now, they have to naturalize to access that. In other words, as I've said before, and Chris, you're particularly, and I understand what's going on every time, I'm a non-citizen. No, you're not a non-citizen national. They have a deficiency. The deficiency is they're not both political statuses. They're only one, and it puts restrictions and limitations on them. Okay? But they can't go in and upper uh, 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 officers in the military. Certain public offices they can't hold. Those are limitations. They're restrictions. Okay? You, as a citizen of the United States, you don't have those restrictions. All right? You've got both statuses available. You've just been tricked into thinking that you're one and not informed about the other. There right. is some language in the 14th Amendment that should be talked about. Well, hold on, let me respect. finish. Well, let, let's okay. finish. let me finish first, and we can come back and talk about your language, okay? But isn't it unusual that to achieve that birthright status, the American Samoa guy or gal has to go through this expensive, I guess, time-consuming, study-oriented naturalization process to become the other and have dual status. 
They've got to go through the naturalization process to achieve both statuses. And when they do, think of it. They go from a non-citizen national to a citizen of the United States who's also a national, but that national's not a non-citizen national with the restrictions. So an American Samoa could go and naturalize, get the new status, get file an affidavit, and go back and achieve the state national status that they didn't have before. It's a convoluted deal, okay? But it's just kind of funny when you follow it. Now, what language were you talking about in the 14th Amendment, Chris? Well, in particular... The except for purposes of being in rebellion clause. And that is the hitch and the giddy up that whenever you cast your wish that they pose as a vote to who you think you'd like to have for a federal office of one of the chief executives that were not supposed to do so because only qualified electors are authorized to do that, then you're considered to being in treason against your state by doing so, and therefore that phrase is supposedly actuated. Where, and I've never even read the entire Fourteenth Amendment. It's quite a quite a pinned little an, amendment. I'm always just concentrated on the very first clause. Okay, but what Chris is talking about, there's several other aspects of it. One of the aspects beyond that first clause is the privileges and immunities clause. And you can go into the United States Code today, go online, put in Title 42. That's the Civil Rights Code, 14th Amendment-oriented law. And it says right in there, 1746, I think, is the section. It says the citizens of the United States are entitled to all the privileges and immunities of the white citizens. Of the white citizens. It says it right there in Title 42. That's Congress. They the, appear to be the racist ones to me. That's in their code. Okay. So you go on down a little bit further, and there's part of the 14th Amendment that says uh, nobody has the right to question the national debt. Right? It says that in there, too. Well, what about if the national debt's based on fraud? Does that mean we got a, a right to question it? Because then fraud vitiates any contract ab initio. Doesn't that mean that if there's fraud, we can look at it? means you should. Now, what Chris is talking about is the backlash talking about southern states that are still in rebellion. And it's not talking about necessarily, I don't believe, 14th Amendment citizens. It's talking about the other people. And they were trying to drag some of that out and talk about not seating the Republicans after Trump, after the January 6th fiasco that we discussed earlier, where they've tried to set this thing up to sheep dip all the patriots and any Trump supporter. That's what that was designed to do is to sheep dip your ass. So anyway, the first sentence is the one i've concentrated on i know some of those other things are in there it's never been occasion to go back and spend the time researching it because all i know is once you file that thing 
that statement, that declaration, that affidavit, that however you want to phrase it, however you want to form it and send it to them. Once that's put in the mail, you're effectively removing yourselves from federal jurisdiction. With the exception of two lonely clauses in the statutes in Title 26, 871B and 877B, which are both constitutional taxes. With the exception of those two, every other code of federal regulation derived and tied to a statute is shed from you. Isn't it Mark Twain that says it's easier to fool a man than to tell him he's been fooled? That's what he said. And uh, I can understand why this getting out there, excuse me, on common knowledge sort of freak these people out. Okay? Can you imagine all of a sudden, as we've said hypothetically, just imagine if they were getting 10,000 of these a day, Chris, for a month, two months. They'd run around with their hair on fire. They wouldn't know what to do. See, they can't rebut it. They can't. They can't. Uh, uh, they can't disprove it. It's all true. They've been caught. All they can do is stand there mute. And really, by standing there mute and deeming consent, they've convicted themselves. Do you see the beauty of this? By you filing that paperwork, they, by the nature of the situation and the circumstances, convict themselves by standing mute. They agree to everything that you're putting forth there because they can't deny it. They've got to agree to it because they can't deny it. Well, Roger, that's a... U.S. versus Twill and Horton are prudent. When a material question is asked and there's a duty to answer and you stand silent, then it's presumed that you agree with everything that's alleged. Stand, silence deems consent. King Henry VIII, all the Catholic bishops. You're either going to agree with me or we're going to separate you from your head. Does anybody object? Silence deems consent. Well, they recognize it. They don't do anything about it. Never in 11 years have I heard of one case of blowback. Now, come on, kids. Not in 11 years, even one? That's got to tell you something. So hopefully we'll get a chance to spread it more. Um, I don't know. Maybe the people just hadn't suffered enough yet. What do you think, Chris? You think there's some more suffering needs to be done by the population out there before they end, wake up and start asking some damn questions and open their minds to something that might not be something they'd ordinarily consider? I think that suffering is being levied on their heads as we're sitting here talking about it because this administration, false as it is, has an agenda, and they're fixing to get rid of Joe Biden, or maybe they'll keep him in CGI appearances uh, to get Kamala Kabbalah uh, on board and get her in there to take over this country like a foreign dictator that she is installed to be. Yeah, she ain't nothing but a puppet, and all she's going to be doing is taking uh, directions. Come on. And she ain't black. <laughs> 
and her grandfather owned slaves. I wonder if that's going to come out. They got the slave records from Jamaica, man. Well, she's a slave manager, isn't she? Isn't that what the POTUS is? Well, it's uh, it's a hell of a mess, folks. And I guess we just got to wade through it one day at a friggin' time and see what these clowns are up to next. And the advantage we've got is that they're pushing the envelope so fast like a drunken mob. They're drunk on power with all of their... What are they? Deficiencies? How can you talk about Nancy Pelosi? Well, like I'm just, that? I'm talking, I'm not talking about, well, Pelosi again is just a puppet for the Jew mob behind her. of All of these Trump wackos, weirdos, you know, the assistant secretary of health, that Rachel Levine. Um, this, oh, isn't that a uh, piece of work? This nettle, <laughs> this nettle girl that's the attorney general up in Michigan. Duck Waller? No, 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 not Duck Waller. Nettle, the one that's the attorney general up there. That mm. uh, it's it's sickening. And the good thing for us is they're drunk with power, and they are like you know. I was thinking about it over the weekend. I believe what you're seeing now is what they had in plans four years ago, thinking that Hillary Clinton was going to get elected and they were oh, going to roll out the absolute same agenda that we're seeing now four years ago. And they just been beside themselves, bottled up for four years, waiting to get the chance to unroll this damn thing. They picked up where they left off. You're right. And so we'll make up for lost time, man. Remember when Oboe and uh, Biden first got on stage after this, and he whispered in his ear, this is a big effing deal. Well, I, I, you know, listen, they've always fallen on their face. They're making absolute total fools out of themselves politically, globally. I mean, with the crap with Putin, with Biden falling. He didn't fall downstairs. He fell upstairs three times. Maybe. With some of the <laughs> gaffes that they've already pulled off with the Chinese coming over and literally insulting the State Department on American soil. They weren't even on neutral soil or in China. They were on American soil when when they leveled that clap on Blinken last week, week four last, whatever it was. They got their boy in office. They ain't worried about nothing. He's going to do what they say or else. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a hell of a mess. And whether the patriots are going to step back up, whether we're going to have a revolution, a civil war, hell, I don't know that any of us know. Okay, It's a day-at-a-time deal at this point. Are they going to fall so flat on their face we're going to bring Trump back? I mean, I guess that's a possibility, but we don't know. So I don't know. I guess it's a weird, must be weird for everybody out there today. Does everybody else just feel a little unsettled today? You feel unsettled, Chris? Chaos and crisis. Babylon is confusion. That's where we're at. So, 
man alive, I'll tell you. I'd love to have somebody belly up with some questions here. No questions. All right. Well, I guess everybody's pretty well up to the game then. And well, what in the heck? Why does it keep doing that? Hmm. Um, well, you're figuring that out, Roger. To me, it occurs that this COVID hoax is really a, the globalist distraction, deception, deflection. Don't look here, look over there. And they've had it consuming the airways. I guarantee you they're paying these newsies big bucks to promote this stuff at the top of every section and to keep it flooding the zone with false information. Tell a lie often enough. And some people will begin to believe it. With something that's got half the mortality rate of the common cold and flu, and they've got all this furor and all this, and the vaccine, you can't do this, you can't do that. Everybody's going to have to. This, all this crap over something that the actual mortality rate is half that of the normal flu? It's ridiculous on its face. To me... And I don't hear very many people bringing that up to them whenever they talk about it. <coughs> so, uh, I'll tell you what, it's a slow-feeling slow day today. Um, the calm before the storm. Well, it very well may be, Chris. It very well may be. Um, I don't know. Don't know too much. Just... Uh, in my little isolated spot down here in Ecuador. And uh, I guess it's a pretty good place to be for where we are. There's one thing for sure. You're never, if down here, the folks that live down here, you're never going to starve down here. Now, you may not get to eat what you want to eat, but you're never going to starve because the abundance of food in the 12-month uh, growing season is... Uh, pretty incredible, really. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. Hell, if I could cash out, I'd go back and go to bed, I guess. It doesn't seem to be too much to talk about, or none of you guys want to ask any questions so we can address them. Um, it's just a weird time. It's kind of a weird mental feeling out there today. Waiting this for some sort trial. of a... I go. I'll tell you one thing that's it, we're waiting for the economic shoe to drop because there's going to be an economic Boy, shoe that's about to drop sometime. Uh, Bo Polney was interviewed on USA Watchdog and said at the end of April is what his research is showing. Uh, Chris, you were going to say something. Well, it wasn't me. I heard somebody else say uh, flutter in the background whether they had something to say or not. I'm not sure. We're glad Please. to take them on if they want. Please, I had to step on you. Go ahead. Well, you didn't really step on anything important. I was going to hey, say, Jeff. yeah, there's a hammer to drop, but we don't know which and where. Yeah, and we don't know if it's got a sickle with it or not. Yeah. <laughs> We're a yellow star. Um, I think these guys lose again, but we're gonna, it's going to have to play out. Okay. They're, they're taking the mask off, and they're having to take it off more. And there's... Can't you just feel the some some simmering in the background of people just about beside themselves, especially some of these vets that have gone over there, lost friends, lost 
whatever they left on some foreign shore fighting for some liberty and they find out and now it's all a scam and now they see this happening and now they got getting questions from people at through the VA and stuff on their capability to own firearms, etc. You don't think there's some of those people that are starting to communicate? I just about guarantee you there are. Mm. So uh, a hell of a time, just a hell of a time. Like I said, it's almost a day at a time to see what's going to happen next. Hey, Roger. Yes, sir. Is that you, Joe? Yes. This is Thomas in Florida. Hey, Thomas. I've been listening in. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a skinny day. Nobody's calling in, so I thought I'd I'd call in and maybe try to get something going as far as you know. You Somebody, you got somebody's chicken and rooster going. <laughs> He's chatting. He's got something to say. <laughs> Wasn't my chicken. <laughs> um, I know so much of this bears repeating because, like you say, regardless of, of, of your intellect, it seems to be a hard thing to wrap your brain around the different concepts and the different aspects of it. And I was talking with my wife, and I was saying how the other day I wasn't completely clear where you were discussing the, the outcome, you know, the holding of Plessy versus Ferguson, and then how it then tied into Brown versus the Board of Education. Okay, would you like for me to go over that? Yeah, yeah. Pretty um, interesting. It pivots. Yeah. The whole thing pivots on that, really. Um, and Stephen probably doesn't know about this. He's kind of new. Joe, that's your rooster. Is that your rooster, Joe? Yes, it is, Roger. There you uh, go, man. I didn't realize I was uh, that I was unmuted at the moment. That's okay. It uh, wasn't you, Joe. It was the chicken. I got one of those things out in the, on the one side. Yeah, we got pigs and cows. I didn't even know we had some pigs until the other day. I still can't see them because they're behind a hedge. But man, I can hear them. You know, p- pigs got a real unique sound, especially those squeals, right? But we got it. Right. Oh, man, we got all that stuff out here too. So that's okay, you and your rooster. Let's go back here to Plessy. Um, and for Stevens edification, this goes back to an 1894 case out of Louisiana, and it was the very first case on when they brought up to challenge the Jim Crow laws. I heard. Remember, Jim Crow came out last week. Did you see that, Thomas? Something Biden yeah, yeah. Biden called them Jim Eagle laws or something what they were doing and he referred back to Jim Crow law. Trump had Jim Eagle laws, so it was some one of his wacko mental processes going on. But the Jim Crow laws came from the Fourteenth Amendment in this segregated society, and the fact that the black slaves and there were some white people and other races given this too it's not exclusively black 
There were other people in D.C. and the territories that were not of Negro descent that were white and probably Indian and no telling what all because of those the makeup of those territories that the 14th Amendment applied to, too. It gave them federal citizenship when they had no citizenship up to that point. But it was commonly looked on on the black race, the African race. Okay. And so... At that point, they had the segregated facilities, and they came into the effectively called Jim Crow laws. That came from an old song in the 1830s called Jim, Jumpin' Jim Crow, by the way. It was a sheet music song. So after the 14th Amendment, we had the separation of faculties and facilities, and Plessy versus Ferguson was done by a conservative, or excuse me, a progressive newspaper out of New Orleans that had a lot of reach to these quote-unquote progressives of the time, and they wanted to challenge the validity of the Jim Crow laws and the separate faculties, facilities. So they went out and took up a contribution. I believe the article, there was a commemoration of Plessy recently, and there was a, a nice article on it that Lauren found and sent to us that gave us a lot of the background story here. So they sent out a request for contributions so that they could get funded to challenge the Jim Crow laws, and they did. Uh, they got back in those days $3,000, which was a, a pretty good amount of change in the 1890s. And so they went out and found Plessy. And he was not somebody that the case developed out of. He was found and discovered to plug in to develop the case. And the reason was because Plessy was one-tenth black. He was nine-tenths white, and he was one-tenth black. And they wanted to test these Jim Crow laws. So they find Plessy. They hire the detectives to arrest him. They put the newspapers there in New Orleans on alert so that the press would be there on top of their own newspaper to cover the incident. Then they brought Plessy to the train station. It was on a train that only went in Louisiana. It didn't cross the Mississippi Arkansas or Texas borders and bring in federal jurisdiction. It was interstate, not intrastate. And they brought Plessy, they ran him on the train, and they put him in the white-only railroad car, and the detectives they'd hired arrested him, and the newspapers covered the story, and they took the case to court. And the first judge that was there, I guess a district judge in Louisiana, and his name was Ferguson, and he ruled against them, and they enjoined him in the suit, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the thumbnail of the case came back. That line, that 14th Amendment line, was so thin that one-tenth of your blood makeup, your genealogical makeup, determined that case. And the fact that he had broken the law by going on to the white-only Railroad car when he had one-tenth black blood in his makeup. That's a pretty thin line. That's a hard line. Okay. 
So that was, and I think it's interesting, I've threatened to go back and read the dissent because the great John Harlan, the great dissenter, was on the court and wrote the dissent in that case. And I imagine it would be really interesting for one of us, I should go back and do it, go back and read that thing and see what Harlan said. Harlan was extremely eloquent and uh, came from a slave-owning family, actually. And uh, he had a lot of sensitivities in this area, evidently. But that's Plessy versus Ferguson, Thomas, and that set the standard and validated the Jim Crow laws and gave us a very, very, very hard line on the demarcation of who that applied to. Okay. So they had to get that out of there. They don't want anybody separate, but equal because there's two different. And the reason, let me backtrack the thumbnail on that case or what they usually say about a case to describe it is separate, but equal Plessy versus Ferguson the decision was separate but equal. Well, how can people with different faculties and facilities be equal? They can't be. The way they were equal is they both had a political status. Now, the political statuses weren't equal. Obviously, were they? But they both had one, didn't they? Okay. One was federal. One was original. One was higher and the other was subservient secondary mediate i think they use they use that word mediate but they both had a political status and that had to be overcome because they don't want the two statuses (laughs) excuse me the only status they want if there's two different ones, is they want the Jews having the Jew status and you having the Goyim status. Those two statuses are all right with them. In fact, that's the master-slave status. That's exactly the what it is. System. Okay, so they had to overcome Plessy versus Ferguson, but they got all the other work done first. They got American Samoa set up over there so they can hide it. They got the Federal Reserve taken over so they can start to take control of the government. They got the birth certificate thing passed so that they've got the commercial document when they pull the string to, to start the whole thing working. They've got the whole 20s, the roaring 20s, and the Great Depression. We got the bankruptcy in 33. We got the start of the administrative state. And all of that stuff went in before they came back and addressed this Plessy versus Ferguson obstacle. They got the IRS set up in the early 50s. They got the administrative state's playbooks all written, their rule book, the Administrative Procedures Act. That acted in 1946. In 1940, they set up the organic legislation where they could change and did change the state citizen label to U.S. national and set it up so they could hide it behind American Samoa, which had been set up 40 years earlier. You see how they have to set these things up to pull them off. They set it up backwards so that when they pull the string, it's like one of those domino thingies where the guy's got all the dominoes strung over two or three city blocks, and all they got to do is hit one at the front, and all of them fall down. They've got to set it up backwards to be able to pull that when they press the button. 
So all those things they had to go through before they went back and dealt with Plessy versus Ferguson and getting rid of the extra status. And one of the ways that you can tell it was at the very end, okay, how do we know that overturning Plessy was at the very end of everything they'd planned? Because two months later, they put the 1954 revenue code in place. And that is the end game right there. It's just like this shot and the, the vaccination is the kill shot on the end game of that. Well, that, this income tax thing is the end game on all this. That's what they want. Because that allows them to do the funny money system. If they don't have the tax mechanism to pay the bondholders and equalize the amount of currency in, situ in, uh, in circulation, everybody knows what the game is and who's doing it. So that tax mechanism is super important, and it's the absolute end game because it's the book stop that shoves all the rest of the books together there in the, on the bookshelf. Okay. And so what they did with Brown, Thomas, was overcome separate but equal in Plessy, and they came back, and the thumbnail on Brown versus Board of Education, of course having to do with busing, was equal in the classroom, equal in the society. Now that's the case that overturned separate but equal. Equal in the classroom, equal in the society. But what I never knew, see, I thought they had basically at that point with Brown Thomas, I thought they had put in a trap door and shut it, if you want to look at it that way. Well, it wasn't that at all. What they did was they made everybody both. They opened it up where everybody is both statuses, both a citizen of the United States and a national. And then they gear it to where they only ask you if you're the one and don't tell you about the other one. And that's why this is so easily accessed is because it's right there. And they get caught with their hands and their feet and their little filthy proboscises in the cookie jar. When somebody sees, did you know you've got a dual political status? That's why that approach is so effective. You go to the Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. All U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. See that? Duh. Did you know you had a dual political status? No. Has anybody ever asked you if you're a U.S. national? No. Well, if not, it's right there. You're one of you. That's who you are. Why haven't they ever asked you if you're a U.S. national? Why'd they always ask you if you're this other one? See, we've got tremendous tools to show this stuff to people now. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be confused by it, but it's easier to show the end game and what's been done than having to sit down and talk to them and explain history and law and stuff for hours to get them to a point where you can explain one point to them. You can pull that document from the State Department and show the whole end game to them right there in 10 words. Now you go back and start unpacking the rest for them.
But that's basically what they did, Thomas. And instead of saying, yeah, either or, on the Plessy versus Ferguson, they went back very slickly and very adeptly and made everybody both. And then they skewed their approach to asking you and getting you to commit by fraudulently only exposing one side of it, basically. Did that clear up any of it, or does that just make it more confusing? No, I think I understand a bit more about it. See, I thought it was the fact that they'd done a trap door on us with Brown and hidden the other one. Well, they did hide it, but they didn't do a trap door. They made everybody both. That was quite a revelation for me when I saw that and thought about it and saw how it was, how this worked. But finally, we I think we got the pretty much the whole picture on what they did and how they pulled this off. And they recognize it, as everybody here knows. There's never been one piece of blowback, to my knowledge, that anyone's gotten back to me with from somebody who's declared their right status. Well, why not? Why not? Because that's your right, and they know it. It's not their duty and right to tell you what you are. That's why they've had to set this thing up so elaborately so they can trick you with those questions. If they tell you what you are, it's tyranny. Now, if they rig this thing up where it's soft tyranny and they can jerry-rig it to where they ask you and you not knowing what you're being asked, give them the answer to the question, well, hell, Thomas ought to know what he is, shouldn't he? Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, these are all the excuses that they're hanging their agenda on. These are dirty, lying, satanic, murdering, thieving, uh, uh, usurious. How, how many adjectives you want to put on them? Ten? The father of lies. I, I, I mean, it's just... It's the same shit, and you go back and you look at it, and you start reading biblical history, and you start seeing what happened there, and it's it's the same bunch. And damned if they're not doing the same stuff, basically. And all these years, they've, we're better than everybody else. Oh, we'll get you. We got to be trickery. We got to be deceitful. We got to be this, that, and the other. But we got souls, and you don't. You're our slave, and you know what they say in the Russian Marines, don't you there, Chris? What's that? Tufsky Shitsky. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay. Well, Tufsky hey, Shitsky for you. So sorry you didn't know, Chris. I guess that allows us to heap all these laws on you because you didn't know what you were, did you? Yes, who was trying to say something? Yeah, no, me, Thomas, again. Hey, Thomas. Um, slight change of well, subject, but if you were to say send a, and Chris knows what I'm talking about, if you were to send a presumptive letter to your state attorney general or perhaps the head of your department of uh, motor vehicles or, you know, uh, licensing in your state, 
if you were to send a presumptive letter, which is, you know, the, it's the letter where you basically ask them to disprove uh, basically a statement that you make or a question that you have. In other words, you would say to them, you know, can you um, disaffirm that uh, being a U.S. national would exempt me from uh, registration of vehicles as well as uh, driver's licenses? Um, well, I would instead of putting... to return it. You're like doing a... Can you please give me the answer to this? I would take a different track on that. I'd take the affidavit and write him a letter and say, this is on file with the Secretary of State. My status is a U.S. national. How does this apply to me registering or having a car registered? You see the tenor? Oh, but can you tell me? I'd, I'd go the other way and be a little more assertive. Well, the, the presumptive letter is where you get them to disprove what you say, and if they don't answer it, they basically, basically acquiesce to what you challenged them on. Well, so they already answer it. They answer it by not answering it. I think that's all right, but it's a, I think it's an exercise. File your paperwork and do all that stuff with the Secretary of State of the U.S. Screw the state and their little forms. Once you've got that solidified, you can go play with those guys all you want. But if you don't have it on file with the Secretary of State, you're just flat going through an exercise. Yeah. You just worry about, you know, if you if you actually wanted to get to the point where you want to put get yourself a U.S. national license plate and do it. James. Well, James is on here. James, did you hear James's? I've seen the pictures of his car. He's got a real nice BMW with this fancy diplomatic plate on it. And he's been stopped numerous times in two states and just gives them a passport card. And they come back and say, have a nice day. Go on your way. Yeah. No, I think he said that he actually uh, either uh, let his license expire or surrendered it. Yeah, I think he did surrender it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Something. But but he's having that kind of success with that type of approach. Uh, A little ways up the road from you. Yeah. Oh, he's in uh, North Carolina, right? It, yeah. Um, no, he's okay. in Florida, Thomason. Florida. He's in Florida. Okay. There's somebody else in North Carolina. Okay. I have a question for James. Sure. How do you resolve the conundrum of financial liability while you are traveling? Uh, because I have a, um, I'm also a secure party creditor, and I, and I have and I have a bond on on file. There you go. Maybe you might elucidate on how to obtain that. Well, I went through the secure party creditor process to do that. But uh, there's a, what is his name? There's a guy named Trent Goodbody. He um, he gives out, well, not gives out. He sells information on how to do financial uh, responsibility bonds. I, I didn't go that route, though. His site is... Uh, if I can give out the site, it's freedomfromgovernment.org. So what you're going back and putting a bond on your ability to be self-insurable? That's exactly what it is. Uh, I, I checked that out once a while back and for the state of Florida, but you had the, I got the impression you had to post some collateral, like, like your huh. house or other property you owned. 
Oh wow! I did see some states. Uh, they have like a five hundred dollar charge for you to to drive, so drive without um without insurance. So maybe that five hundred dollars was their collateral that they um they wanted. But I think different states have different um, criteria requirements. Yeah, I'm sure well, it is a state per- state to state. I'm sorry, Thomas. Go ahead. No, I was going to say if that's a per annual thing or if it's if it's perpetual. Or if it's one time. You got It was per year. One time, but well, that's almost as much as insurance. In fact, yeah, how about, about that? What I, <laughs> how about that? Yeah. You think that it would, you'd be able to just to, to to swear in an affidavit that you would take full responsibility for whatever damage and basically uh, let the cards fall where they fall? Well, I can tell you what happens uh, down here in Ecuador. If you get in a wreck and there's property damage, most people run away from the accidents, <laughs> on, on, honestly, because otherwise they throw you in jail and they don't let you out whether you got insurance or not until the property damage is taken care of. They do that in Puerto Well, in Puerto Rico, everybody runs away if there's an accident. That's standard procedure. And I know that in Saudi Arabia, I had a friend who was over there uh, working, and he said when there's any kind of an accident, everybody goes to jail right on the spot, and then they sort it out. It's almost kind of like it is here, very similar, I'm told. I haven't, I don't even drive anymore, man, so, you know. So I guess from that respect, I'm a little bit lucky. Um, we got a pretty good a, a efficient bus system down here. Uber and cabs are a lot cheaper than the car payment. And you don't have to have insurance in Ecuador, which means that you may, because of your proclivities, but those other Ecuadorians out there that can't afford it don't. And uh, so I'd just soon not drive. Thank you. But it's a heck of a liberty thing. And I understand uh, people's attachment to it. The um, James, this is pretty good. Do you, if I was to ask you uh, if you could give us a definition of freedom and liberty, could you do that? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, actually, liberty is a, is a maritime term um, that's given by the captain. And as far as freedom is concerned, that's tricky, too, because the word free means of no value and D-O-M actually equals dumb. So I'm, I'm, I'm at a crossroads on both of those words. Okay, well, actually, uh, it, uh, what I'm going to tell you comes from Blackstone. And yeah. my, my thesis has always been, if I was to ask people, could you, could you write out on a piece of paper your definition of freedom and liberty? Well, hell, man, it may go from paragraphs to pages, right? <laughs> right. And, yeah, they do call that ship's liberty, shore, shore liberty, shore leave, whatever, in the Navy, I mm-hmm. guess. But mm-hmm. that isn't yep. where it was It was utilized before that, I believe. And the, the real definition of it comes from Blackstone, which is the first time, and Brent's the one that turned us on to this, Blackstone's commentaries were the first time the English common law had ever been written down. There weren't any code books to go to. It was just all common knowledge, you know, custom and usage. And so when Blackstone wrote, 
his commentaries, he defined liberty, and he reduced it down, James, to one word. One word. Locomotion. Ah! The ability to go from point A to point B unimpeded. Ah! Now, that's pretty brilliant to take that whole concept and reduce it down to one word, I've always thought. Man! So, and of course, that's what they do. They've taken your locomotion, haven't they? You've got to do all these restrictions. You've got to have this car thing. You've got to have this license thing. You've got you know, you to have this license, a permission to do your locomotion, which was previously unillegal, is now illegal. You've got to get a license to do it now. Why is that? Because you're born into this system, and the fraud is at birth. That's what it is. And you, the whole, your entire life, every time they've ever asked you, all of us virtually always answered yes and agreed with them. Well, I guess I wonder why they think they're such big, big hanging, hanging deals, okay? It's because you've given them the power. We collectively, through our ignorance, gave them the power. Man, what a sweet deal that is, huh? You want to talk about the people you're fighting and how slick they are and how slick Satan is? That's how slick Satan is. Get you to agree to your own damn servitude and give them the power that they've stolen from you fraudulently. That's slick, boys. Well, the good news is there's a, it's been discovered. There's a way to get out of it. They sit there mute and convict themselves, and uh, we'll see how far we can get it and how many of these affidavits we can get shoved up their damn barracks bags between now and whenever is going to happen, whatever's going to happen. And all I know to do is just to take and put one foot in front of the other every day. And I guess we're going to have good days and we're going to have bad days. Okay. We're going to have mediocre days and, uh, we'll just have to fight through them. Every one of them and take our best shot and be, you know, what does it say in the good book? Gird yourself, gird your, your loins with truth and all that stuff. Well, that's what we're doing. That's what we do. And they seem to back down. And I can tell you, they're very, very afraid of this information getting out on a wide-ranging effect. I don't know how much concern they need to have because it doesn't get taken up very quickly, unfortunately. But maybe one of these days they'll take the mask off enough, enough people will wake up, we'll get somebody somewhere in a key position that goes, holy smokes, look at this and how important it is and helps us expose it to a whole new level of audience. We'll see what happens. It's a day-by-day deal. Um, but I sure appreciate all of you guys being here on a regular basis. Uh, the show was uh, not truly inspired today. It didn't seem like. We're glad to have Steve and the new guy and to talk about some of this stuff. But uh, this is one, I guess, those mediocre days. Anyways, anybody got anything to bring up when we're at the, towards the end of today's program? Wow. Well, I, I thought it was a particularly informative, and we, we went over some other material again, but yeah. you can't go over it enough times. Well, you can't really on those basic things, that's for sure. And, uh, um, you know, it's uh, I, because I re- 
absolutely insist on the show being spontaneous. Um, if we don't have a lot of spontaneity, it ah, it takes a little bit, but that's my viewpoint as the host here and the progenitor, you know. So uh, anyway, uh, hopefully we did cover something that was important to you. We got Stephen, our new guy on there. And Stephen, really, when you first belly up to this material, there's two things that have to happen. One thing is you're unlearning a bunch of stuff that's not true that people have exposed you to. Unfortunately, that's part of our community. And the other thing is you're getting all this new information that you got to go through and sort and put into place and see how your worldview looks after that's done and all that. So welcome aboard, Stephen. And I hope you got something out of today. Our music is whistling there in the background, so which means where you guys can't hear it, but I can and the audience can. That means we're uh, pretty well up to our neck in being finished today. But the good news is, whether you got your question answered or not, we'll be back tomorrow. So uh, we'll see what happens between now and then, guys. And otherwise than that, have a great day. And I hope you did get something out of our time together today. And we'll find the cost of freedom here, the end of that little tag that zips us out. So does anybody have any other comments or questions real quick? None. Yeah, Rod. Uh, I wanted to circle back to what you were talking earlier about the vaccine and the mRNA. Yeah. I was doing some thinking about it last night. The uh, if you remember, what was it? The, the Human Genome Project of the early nineties. Right. 90s, right. Uh, and the federal court ruling behind that, what around ninety eight, where they said that uh, you cannot patent any naturally occurring biological process okay well it's worth talking about we're about it we're just about out of time joe uh and uh so i'm gonna say that may be something we'll discuss for the audience is still with us tomorrow and i got something to think about it